number of scriptures we want to begin with tonight. First one is found in Exodus chapter 34. While you're turning, I want to make a statement, an emphatic statement, good statement, loving statement. Isn't God good? A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh my. Why would we ever want to even think about not uh, that it continuing to be faithful? There's great rewards in that. Great rewards. Oh my. We're going to be stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not for sin, that's been taken care of. It's for our service. The judgment seat of Christ. We read about the book of Revelation. Paul talks about all of that. And uh, But he is so good. I'd be hard-pressed because I wouldn't be able to find the right words to, to write a paper on the goodness of God. Oh, man, there's a lot you can say. Yeah, and I'd say all of that, and then there'd still be things to say. So, just great. And I know you're grateful for the goodness of God. When you wake up every morning, that alarm clock goes off, and just turn it off. Don't throw it out the window. But when it goes off, you know, it's time to rise and shine and get busy for the Lord. It's not time to be lazy and all of that. Well, if that's what you want to do, that's okay with me. And uh, but uh, there's not a lot to be accomplished when we're not uh, busy for God. So we want to do that. There's not enough adjectives or superlatives in the English language to describe the goodness of God. He is just so good. I look out here, and we stand there, some of us fellows, as you know, stand before you out there, and we fellowship and all of that. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't know any of you in here if I didn't know God. We never would have met you. But we did. Some of you are a little more hard-headed than others. You know? <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, throughout the Bible, we see the goodness and the grace, uh, the goodness, the greatness, and the mercy of God. Throughout the Bible, here in Exodus 34, we want to start there, and uh, we're going to read the first six verses. Exodus 34, first six verses. The Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in, in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed the two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning. See there, Moses even got up early. 
rose up early in the morning and went unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. And pay close attention here. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Oh, what a description of our Heavenly Father. Okay, and then let's uh, go to let's see Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. We're going to settle down here and read a few verses in the Psalms here in just a little bit. <clears throat> Jonah, <clears throat> we read here in chapter 3, beginning in that chapter, and I have this underlined with an asterisk at the beginning of the verse. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. He didn't have to do that, you know. But Jonah was glad that he did. I'm glad I've had the Lord come at the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and so on, right down the line. In other words, he's always there. He's always there and wants to bless us. And he will if we'll let him, that is for sure. And as we read in the Old Testament, the Israelites, over and over and over again, God proved himself to them that he was God and that he was a good God. And I, I will add there, they found out he was a just God. A just God. And you're, you're going to find out, if you haven't already, that God is good. He's good. I've been watching over all these years, I've been watching some of you grow up. I've seen you grad some graduate from high school, from college. They're out there. Some of them, they've gotten married. They're serving the Lord, rearing their families. That is because of the goodness of God. Sometimes there's bumps along the way. Sometimes there are trying times along the way. Sometimes even as a Christian, and if we're not really careful, we'll put the blame on God. God is the best teacher in the world. And he allows you and me to face things that we would never choose to face. We would never do that. But he allows it to happen. Now, boy, if we'll let him do so in our lives, it's amazing, and I'm, I'm beginning to touch the, just the hem of the garment about what he'll teach us through all those times. We always want to be, as the old song says, on the winning side. You keep God first, and I promise you, you'll always be on the winning side. You absolutely will. <clears throat> now, I'd like you to turn with me Psalm 27, Psalm 27. Psalm 27. 
<clears throat> this whole song, well, they're all, we all know that they're just wonderful, period. But there's some special uh, verses in these psalms that I have a lot of them underlined, and I know, I'm sure you do as well. But in <clears throat> Psalm 27, let's look at uh, verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But because God was there, I didn't faint. That's not in the verse, but that's me. Most of us, I'm sure, say the same thing, if not all. Hey, let's go to uh, chapter 31. And let's look at verse 19. By the way, let me, I don't know, but let me encourage you, you. When we do this, get your pen out and underline these verses. If you have a highlighter, highlight them. Anyway, you need that. You get out here and you say, now what was it preacher preached the other night in that verse? And if you marked it, you go to the Psalms and just keep flipping the page. Ah, oh, there it is, because you marked it, okay? You're not going to damage the Bible by marking it. Matter of fact, you're going to help yourself. Okay? And then let's look at chapter 33, verse 5. Notice what he says. He loveth righteousness and judgment. What he's saying there, I, he loves the right thing. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Oh, praise God. Amen, amen. And then we're going to Psalm 52. And there are many others in here, but these are the ones that the Lord laid on my heart to give you. And so we'll try to do that. Psalm 52. <clears throat> right here in a second. Psalm 52, <clears throat> verse 1. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually, forever, forever. Oh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful Lord. I know when we get here, you're going to recognize this if you did what I've done down through the years. Psalm 107. 107. Here again, you need to mark these because, can anybody tell me what these verses are? What is it that stands out about them? I know the Bible scholar knows. Anybody can tell me? Four. Excuse me? Yes. Well, anyway, let me point them out to you. Why would God in this chapter use the same verse four times? Four times. Look with me. Psalm 10, I'm sorry, Psalm 107. I don't know why I said five. But 107, and we're going to look at verse 8. 107 and verse 8. <clears throat> oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness 
and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Okay, let's look at verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why did he do it the second time? Okay, now let's look at verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Three times. Fourth and lastly, in verse 31, all that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. How many knew those verses were already there before we read them? I knew there'd be several. Okay. Now everybody knows. But see, I watched you. I watched every one of you. You, you didn't mark. <laughs> I'm kidding. But God's goodness, the Holy Spirit, wrote these words down four times, these verses. Yeah, four different times. Tremendous, tremendous. And throughout the Bible, as you read your Bible, you find out about the goodness of God. The goodness of God. <clears throat> Even in our troubled times, as I've said so many times, that dark cloud moves in. We don't know where to turn. We don't know where to go. When that happens, just get on your knees. Tell God you need him. You need his wisdom and his direction. You have not because you ask not. You have not. Because you ask not. You just have to ask. Trust him. He might not answer that day. He might not answer the next day or next week. But he did hear you when you prayed. He knows your need even more than you do. And it will come to pass. And it will make good Christians of all of us. Men, women, boys, and girls. God is so good. <clears throat> there have been times in our lives when we have said, how can anything good come from this? Ever been there? Sure you have. If not, you probably will. You probably will. For instance, but then after time has passed, we didn't understand then, but when time has passed, we see the goodness of God. We, we, we see it. And yet, now what happens as we see that and as we grow, we learn to trust him more and more. If he answers here, he'll answer here. And by the way, God's timing is always perfect. All the time. No time will it ever be imperfect. And again, there we're, we're students of his word. We're learning. We're growing. We're doing that. For instance, <clears throat> Joseph began, a beginning in Genesis 37, was sold into slavery. Now, from all appearance, the end had come for this young dreamer. But Genesis 50, 20 says, But as for you, you thought it evil against me, Joseph, 
but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's in Genesis chapter 45. Psalm 23, 6. Everybody knows Psalm 23. If you don't, shame on you. Okay? Yeah. We all know that. <clears throat> Surely goodness and mercy, verse 6, of that psalm. You can go ahead and turn there. We're going to spend a little time here this, this evening. Psalm 23. But the last verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. Okay, so I'll go ahead and say out loud what you're thinking. What do I do when those tough times come, when we just know that someone's going to pass away, and sometimes they do. They do. But we keep on, we go on trusting. Go on trusting. And sometimes it hurts. It hurts. We're human beings. Those times, and I had that battle there for several years with huh, that little demon called a kidney stone. Twice, folks, I thought I was dying. I'm serious. I, I, I just knew that it, my time would come. Oh, my. Never had the... I've, Told this, it's been a long time ago. And I know what started it. I was working for the southern states then. And that fertilizer, <clears throat> when it's in those bins, dampness gets in there or happens for some reason to get wet, it shouldn't. But then it'll get hard. And when they dump it up on top of that bin, which has this wire uh, sifter, so to speak, <clears throat> you have to climb up there and jump up and down and break that stuff up or carry some kind of tool with you. I thought, really, I thought somebody had shot me. My, I had this pain in my side. Ne oh, my, my, my. I went down on my knees. I thought, what in the world is going on? You ladies have had children. God help you be with thee. <clears throat> my boss had a little Chevy automobile. I think then they were called Chevy 2s. He said, come on, let's, let's get you to the hospital. I No, no, I'll be all right. You know how we are. He didn't have to say it, but one more time, we were in the car going, and on the way to the Falker Hospital, I was in a fetus position on the floorboard. Now, you have to really get small to lay down there. Starting right here. There was a pain started up my arm. It went all the way up my arm, came up this way, across my forehead, down this side. 
and down on the, I, thought, I was sure I was having a stroke, I was dying, I was going. I told that, <clears throat> my boss, I said, uh, and I told him some things to tell my family. Folks, this is serious business. You're not going home. You're not going to get better. And I had the sweetest peace known to mankind come all over me. I didn't hear any audible voices, but God said, I'll, I'll take care of this. What else do you do in a condition like that but trust God? But you learn from it. You learn to trust him more. You don't understand it. But you learn from it. And then through that, God doing what he did for me and comforted me, I can use that to help you be comforted. Had I not gone through that, I don't really understand. I'm sorry for you, but I have been there and I can even give a little more comfort by the grace of God. That was the first one. Then there was the second one. Oh, my. <clears throat> the first time it happened, I was in the Air Force. I was drinking two glasses of milk, vitamin D milk, two in the morning, two at lunch, two at night, two at supper. I still call it supper. You call it dinner. Sorry. <clears throat> Doc says you're drinking too much calcium, man. It's it, you're just uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, causing your whole being to kind of solidify that whatever. You're absolutely drinking too much milk. Matter of fact, some of the meals I'd go back and get a third glass. Just loved it. Now I can't stand to taste it. I guess it weaned me. I don't know. Then, <clears throat> second time it happened. Back then, my wife get up every morning, kids in school. She made eggs and bacon or sausage and uh, toast and all of that. She did that every day, every day. So this happened again, and I went back to the doctor, and he said, asked me what I had for breakfast. He said, man, you're going to become a chicken. He said, you're eating too many eggs. Albunum is in eggs, especially in the white. we? Well, I haven't gotten completely off eggs, but I sure don't eat them like I used to. And every now and then, I, I just got to have some eggs for breakfast. That's why God put the chickens here, so we could have eggs for breakfast. But in those times, the pain was just almost unbearable. And back in that day, I don't know what to do now, but uh, <clears throat> I, drink, I drink every liquid at that bedside table at the hospital. I mean, there were bottles and glasses and all kinds of liquid containers, and I was to drink all of it. My, my, my. <clears throat> Enough of that. But through it all and in my quiet times, and when the pain would somewhat subside, I say, and I'm not trying to be pious, I say, Lord, you know all about this, and you know why it's going on. Just 
help me to learn from it. Just help me to learn from it. When that happens, when that, those times come in your life that you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, you ask God to give you the patience that you need, ask him to help you to learn from it. God will use that to help you to be a blessing to others. All the goodness of God. Oh, yeah. In verse 6 of Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all. Watch it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first word of that verse is what? Tell me what it is. Not maybe. Surely. Surely. Goodness and mercy. That makes you keep on trusting God, folks. I have, you have, I don't, a human being has ever lived, ask God at least once, and, and a lot more than that, why? Yeah, that we do. Why? It's his business, just leave him alone, let him do what he wants to do. Now, I make that sound so simple, but it happens. It happens. I don't mean to be pious, Sister Paula, but when you were in the hospital those 20 days, there was a lot of praying going up for you. Not just the church, but your pastor prayed for you every day, twice a day. And then maybe a third time, staff devotions. Sick lady. God lifted her up. She's still here with us. God doesn't heal everybody. God doesn't correct everything. But he always does the right thing. You know, I believe sometimes we just think about old Job. Ooh-wee. His whole family, all his livestock, his kids. And his wife wasn't quite as strong as he. Why don't you just curse God? Wow, what words to say. Then we know this whole story. Read the last chapter. Boy, God bless that man. Why? Because he was faithful. He didn't throw in the towel. He kept on moving forward for the glory of God. Kept on going. <clears throat> kept on going. The Bible over and over tells us about the goodness of God. I believe, however, that in this psalm, his goodness is summed up as well as any other place, Psalm 23. That those six verses sums up the grace of God, the goodness of God, as much as any other six verses in the Bible. That's my, my opinion. The whole Bible's comforting, some more than others, especially when you get into all those genealogies there in the Old Testament. The Bible, yeah, it, he'll... Oh, my. He's our sustaining comfort. Let's look at the psalm, and we'll take long, and glean a number of thoughts as to why the Lord is so good. Ever thought about it in that, in that sense? Why is God so good? 
Yeah. I remember seeing Randa when she was born, and most of the church knows I've told it several times. And all these years of being at the hospital, uh, I can't think. You, can you think of the couple here this morning? Matter of fact, they're going to come join the church next Sunday. Her dad's sitting right back there. Uh, pray for them. I told them that I would. But I've never seen, I thought of them because of her having the little one. <clears throat> I've never seen a baby that jaundiced. She was yellow as a pumpkin. Boy, we all prayed. I mean, I really prayed. Follow my, what I'm saying. And it was about three hours, I guess. I know some of you have heard this before, but I have my life, and I have my illustrations, and I guess when you get a second run, you might have needed it the second time. <laughs> so, anyway. Life will not always be as smooth as you want it to be. But it's all in the hands of God. All of it. And it's for our good and for our learning. There in verse 1, <clears throat> he says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And just let me go ahead and say, He's more than a shepherd. Not enough to own him as the shepherd, which sets him apart from everyone else. There must be a personal relationship with him. I'm saying we need a personal relationship with him all the time, every day of our lives, 24-7. You ever stop to think about this? A sheep is not an object of property. Not a wild animal and frequently is brought with a great price. Because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. All needs taken care of. Every one of them needs, not wants. As a matter of fact, if you're walking with God, there's some things you want, he'll give it to you. As long as you honor him with it and don't get into something that doesn't honor him. God's resources and restfulness is shared with his people. We need not have any worries. He looks after everything. Someone said, listen to what I'm about to say, the devil has no happy old men or women. You get what I said? The devil has no happy old men or women. They're miserable creatures. They don't have the Lord. 
I said, old people. No old man or woman is happy without Christ. Verse 2, the first part of it, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. All of these phrases throughout this psalm have special meanings and applications. What are these green pastures? What are they? The scriptures are always fresh. They're always rich. They always bring refreshment, serenity, and satisfaction. The word of God. No, it's one thing to know the green pastures, yet it's another thing to lie down in them. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I noticed today, I looked out in my backyard and the grass is turning green. Ever so slowly, but it's coming. You know, it does that every year. Right on time. Not ahead of itself, not behind. Guess who's in charge? God. Yeah. Headed in another direction. Anyway, makes us lie down in green pastures. And then what does he say in the second part of verse 2? He leadeth me beside the still waters. I've probably given this illustration. I don't know. I'm living in a time now, my old age is a time of repetition. They say it's a good teacher. I was deer hunting one time. I had in Rappahannock County, and I was up on the side of the mountain. And I did something crazy. I don't know if you were with me then or not. But I went up there, and I, I sat down, and there's a stream coming down through there. But you know there are certain places that when they'll reach a place where it kind of puddles up, there's something lodged there where it didn't float on down. And it, it dislodged, and the, and the water, even though it's flowing up here, but it's still... And it's kind of semi-blocked down here, so it's not running like it was up here, so it's not making any, any noise. It's quiet. It's quiet. Never did see that or look at it without thinking about this verse of Scripture. You know, you, there is so much out here in nature that will be a blessing to you when you think about how God uses Parts of nature to help you and me grow to know more about Him. You see, these still waters, what are they? The influences and graces of the precious Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Oh, yes, absolutely. The Holy Spirit loves peace. He leads us, he leads his own by peaceful streams. Peaceful streams of his love. Yeah. He leads us. 
we cannot go to these still waters by ourselves. Mm -mm. He leadeth me. Side still waters. He is a dove, not an eagle. You ever wondered about that? I won't go there. That's another application. But he is a dove, not an angel. He's the dew, not a hurricane. Yep. <clears throat> we cannot go to these still waters, as I said, by ourselves. He, he leads us. Verse 3, the first part of the verse, he restoreth my soul. When the soul grows sorrowful, God revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. Second part of that verse, 3b, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. When you get to a place where you're not in living a life of righteousness for God, he's not doing the leading. You are. Yeah. The child of God delights to be obedient. Delights. Doesn't feel he's being or she's being made to do that. They do it because they love the Lord. The child of God, yes, delights to be obedient. He does not pick and choose, but yields to God completely. Verse 4, only God knows how many times this verse has been used to comfort those who are about to step into the presence of the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh my. His special attention to the word shadow. It is the shadow of death. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. Hang in there with me. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. Okay? The shadow of a sword cannot kill. Hmm. The shadow of death cannot harm the child of God. The shadow of death. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Only God knows how many times I've read that verse at grave sites. Boy, it is so real. Let me emphasize, it's the shadow of death. What did Paul say? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. Be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
Note that David said that it is not walking in the valley, but through the valley. Yes. Praise the Lord. How wonderful that is. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. We have the blessed assurance that the shepherd will be present when this time comes. I believe his word. I've never experienced it, but it doesn't bother me. And I'm not looking forward to going tonight or tomorrow. I won't live as long as God will let me live. And if you don't feel that way, something's wrong with your noggin. But at the same time, you're ready when it comes. You're ready when it comes. Everybody has their own feelings about life support and all that kind of thing, and that's your business. But mine is in the hands of the Lord. Don't stick no tubes in me. You heard me say that, didn't you? Of course, it's more important that my family, and they know. They know. My time comes, I want to go. Again, I'm not in the medical profession. But I know, one, it's the giver and the taker of life. I do. So, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Oh, thank God, thank God for his goodness. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yes, eventually we all will come to the hour of death because God says it's appointed. And it, it, it will come. The uh, only thing to prevent it will be the rapture. Then we cheat death. Glory to God, we just leave here and go be with the Lord. And so we know we read in, about Moses there in Egypt Moses held out his rod, and the Red Sea parted. And when he and the Israelites were safely over the sea, he extended the same rod, and the sea closed in on Pharaoh and all of his people, all of his host. So the rod was for the foe. The staff was the pilgrim's staff. The Israelites were not to stay in the bed of the sea. They were passing through. Thank God this world's not our home. We're passing through. When we come to that hour, we look up and we see our shepherd with a rod and a staff in hand. And he'll see, see us safely over. You see in verse 5a, there, the good man has enemies. If he, he wouldn't be like the Lord if he didn't, didn't have enemies. If we were without enemies, we might fear that we were not the friends of God. But we do. When we look at this verse in its entirety, or verse 5, I'm still there, we realize that this is what God did for the Israelites in the wilderness. Oh, did he take care of his people. He spread a table for them in defiance of their foes. There was a table in the tabernacle. There was manna sent from God. You remember that? 
The table was to sustain them on their way to the promised land. In verse 5b, we receive a fresh anointing for every day's duties. Fresh anointing. My cup runneth over. We always have enough and more to get the job done. Yeah. Now notice, in light of all of that, we mentioned this in the beginning of it, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There will never be anything happen to you that, but what God's love and mercy is present. May be tough, may be dark, may be cold. But God will never leave us nor forsake us. Charles Haddon Spurgeon called goodness and mercy, listen closely, he called God's goodness and mercy God's footman. Goodness and mercy. And the longer you live, the more you know about it. You don't learn all of the things of God. You never do completely, but as you grow older, you do learn. You grow. Someone else said that goodness and mercy are God's great ambassadors. God's ambassadors. Goodness takes care of my steps. Mercy takes care of my stumbles. Mm-hmm. The word surely means truly or certainly. Second part of the verse, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ah, we. This is the great assurance of every child of God that he will be with the Lord forever when he or she leaves this life. Be with the Lord forever. Yes. My, how good God is. How good he is. Even though we don't understand, he's still on our side. Good is going to come of this. All will be well. He's teaching us. He's saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And I recommend we do that, every one of us. We have much, folks, for which to be thankful. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand, please.